how does a jazz musician get the ability to become a jazz artist, which is all improv? How does any musician do it? They are putting the right people around them and creating environments where they can take risks. Welcome to On Your Terms with Aaron King, a show about living a life you truly love. Here's Aaron. So what if being brave isn't actually about being fearless? What if instead it's about fearing your fear just a little less? Well, today's guest is here to help us unlock our boldest, bravest, most courageous selves. Judy Holler is the Chief Vibe Officer of Holla Worldwide. And for the last decade, she has built an enterprise that includes not only her robust keynote speaking business, but also a podcast in the top 15% of all downloads on Apple. She has worked with clients like Marriott, B of A, T-Mobile, the Red Sox, the Ritz-Carlton, and her improv training as an alumni of Second City's Conservatory in Chicago has brought thought provoking ideas and inspiring weekly interviews to help us elevate our mindset and take more confident action. On top of all of this, she is the best-selling author of one of my very favorite books called Fear is My Homeboy. She is a dear friend, a hilarious personality, a vibrant soul, an incredible contenter, one of my favorite humans. She burns the stage to the ground every single time that she takes it. And friends, this podcast episode is no different. We talk about reframing manifestation practices. We talk about the connection between improv and courage. We talk about how we can not afford to not be authentic, even in today's crazy cancel culture. And we talk about experimenting with our fear on purpose. This episode is Fire Friends. Have a listen. Hello, everyone. Erin King here, and welcome to today's episode of On Your Terms. You guys, this is so exciting because the guest that we're about to have on today's show was actually the very first guest that I ever invited for this brand new podcast with Success Magazine, and she shot me down. We're going to hear the backstory, but here she is, finally, one of my all-time favorite women on the face of planet Earth, and she's about to be yours. Friends, please welcome to the podcast, the one and only Miss Judy Holla. Girl, can you just follow me around life and introduce me? And I love that you're leading with that because it's the truth. When you told me you were going to be hosting this podcast and asked me to be one of your very first guests. The very first. The very first. Okay. The very first. I now want to go back and look at my email that I sent you. I'm sure there was some BS in there because I was probably too afraid at the time to admit to you what I just admitted that I was so wrapped up in perfectionism. Mm. I'm in the middle of a new website and my new keynote isn't ready. And here I am, this opportunity, Success Magazine. Oh my God, what if? And then, well, my website's not ready. And oh my God, it's what will I say? And oh my God, then people are going to go and it's not going to be perfect. And then they Mm. won't take me seriously. So you know what? Here's what I'm going to do. I'm just going to wait. I'll wait. Let's give it a month. Let's give it two months. And the question is, how many opportunities are we missing because we're waiting? Like what if, Aaron, Mm. something happened in your life and this wasn't the podcast you were hosting me more? What if success said, 
two months from now, never mind, we're not doing podcasts anymore. We're doing this. Then I miss the opportunity. And so I think it's a great way to jump off because as entrepreneurs, and really as we start to think about success and what that really looks like for us, we have to be brave enough to put ourselves in the arena Mm -hmm. and we have to do it scared. And dare I say that if it's not perfect, it actually probably is. Oh, okay, Judy. We have been recording for what, like 90 seconds and we could probably just hang up and that was all the wisdom I needed today. The mic has been dropped. So, okay. Quick story about that exact point about the waiting and the perfectionism. So for people that are listening that are thinking to themselves, I don't know. I don't really think I'm a perfectionist. I give myself grace. I'm pretty good with sort of one thing at a time. And I know it's a triggering phrase for you. I know you have some fire to spit about that, but just super fast. I've always been one of those people who thinks of myself as not being a perfectionist. I take this kind of pride in, you know, I'm pretty good at just sort of, you know, jump out of the plane, build the parachute on the way down. You know how I roll. I love Sheryl Sandberg's done is better than perfect. I I think I'm pretty good about this, but even I had the biggest biggest trip up, very similar to this conversation. So a couple months ago, I was at the montage here in Laguna Beach celebrating a big achievement. And I'm on the treadmill at the gym. And next to me on the treadmill, hand to the sky, is frigging Mark Cuban from Shark Tank. And I'm running on the treadmill and he's next to me. And I'm like, I almost fell off the treadmill full, like mean GIF off the internet. I was like, I I just think he's so great. I I love a good Shark Tank. Okay. Instead of just being like, okay, this is my moment to maybe be like, hey, love your show, love your work. Shark Tank's the best. But instead, I slowly got off the treadmill and I went to the ladies' room and I washed my face and I practiced my perfect intro to become best friends with Mark Cuban. I was like, Mark, Mark. Hey, Mark. Oh, are you Mark? Like in the mirror, like a psychopath to myself, right? So I finally get my perfect open, which is going to be like, Mark Cuban, right? Love your work. Now that's pretty cheesy, but that's where I settled on. Okay. So I walk out, I'm ready for my moment with Mark Cuban and I get back to the treadmill and he's gone. Yep. See, I missed oh, my, right there. The That's moment. It. That's and it. it still bugs the shit That's out it. of me because it's just these stupid things where who cares if it's not perfect? We don't even put ourselves in the arena from this fear of perfection, which by the way, my quote unquote perfect intro, you heard it. I think we can all agree. It's probably lacking. <laughs> probably would have been better just to shoot from the hip, right? So why do you think as a fear boss, as a disco ball innovator, as a podcaster, a host, I just saw you live, by the way, guys. I'm all over the place because I just I love me some Judy. Just saw her live in Orlando two weeks ago. And when I tell you that your keynote speech, I'm still talking about it, thinking about it. It was so unbelievable. It was a ride like I have never seen. You are one of my favorite, favorite keynote speakers, man, woman, child, or alien. I mean, you are literally the best. And it was so good. But what you talk about is this idea of using improv, using yes and, jumping in, diving in while things are scary. And what I love about your content, and when you guys follow her, you'll see this is literally her expertise. It was so meta because what you were describing Mm. on stage, you were modeling it in real time. It was just brilliant. Why do you think that we do this? Whether it's you not coming on the podcast, whether it's me doing this stupid Mark Cuban bathroom rehearsal crap. You know, what is it in us that makes us strive for this BS perfectionism? Yeah. Well, first of all, you are one of my favorite storytellers. So thank you for that Mark Cuban story, but that's the essence of it right there. Like I had a reaction when you told me you came back and he was gone because I think we can all relate to that. How many times have we missed those opportunities because fear, self-doubt, whatever it may be gets in our way. And what I've learned, and this is big, what's worse than the temporary pain of discomfort 
is the avoidable pain of regret. It may feel uncomfortable to try something new, to put yourself out there before you're ready, to give a speech you've never given or tell a story you've never told or make a decision you've never made or wear something you've never worn, right? Or eat something you've never eaten, right? And it could feel uncomfortable at first, but regret, that's avoidable. And that's Mm -hmm. a pain I do not want to live with. So my barometer for fear is really, because I get asked all the time, you know, I wrote a book called Fear is My Homeboy. So I'm really into befriending fear, making friends with my fear, right? And this is sort of my mindset around fear, talking to it like it's one of my dearest companions, because I know I can't get rid of it, right? Mm-hmm. It's likely there to keep me safe or point me in the right direction or keep me out of trouble or maybe tell me where I'm supposed to go. So I can't get rid of it. I want to, but I can work with it. And one of my barometers, because people ask me, because I do work on fear and courage, really, like, how do you know what thing to do and what thing to not do? There's like a lot of choices and I'm overwhelmed. And like, how do I know? Like, do I do this or do that? I always say like, yo, if you are going to regret it one day, you do it. Like, babe, I will never regret jumping out of a plane. Like I have no desire to jump out of a plane. (laughs) But some people think that you got to do that stuff to be brave, right? Or like you got to free solo Mount Everest. And like, oh, I'm brave because I like free scale mountains. You know what I mean? Can we just talk about that for a second? So quick pause. So Judy and I recently took a flight together and it was the most fun ever. We rode together, fancy AF in business class. The two of us were doing this for four straight hours, full blast, champagne, living our best lives, having so much fun. But at some point there was turbulence. And I remember looking over at you and you fly just like I do all All the time time. for our work. And you were so nervous. I thought you were going to actually jump out of the plane. You were literally climbing. And so what I love about this is I love that you are this fear expert and yet you get scared about turbulence. You got scared about this podcast. So even though you're the student of it, you really practice what you preach. And I love that you show us it's okay that it's untamed, but you do have to make friends with it and manage it and be able to create this life by design, just like you are. I want to just applaud you because I feel like a lot of people preach on topics. They don't necessarily take their own medicine. They don't walk their talk. And you really... Truly do. So just a quick aside. So sorry, keep going. Thank you for that. No no skydiving. Sorry, keep going. It's it's not something I think that I will regret at the end of my life. I'm cool. I'm good. And I am one of the biggest Brady cats you'll ever meet. You know what I mean? But here's the thing. I prime the muscle, man. I'm on this mission to increase my tolerance for pain. So let Mm. me go back to the measure. So the measure, like I won't be a little 95-year-old or 105. I'm going to make it to 105. Let's just I'm not going to be in my little bed, my little sleep number bed, up and down, right? Going, damn, I wish I would have jumped out of that plane. Like, I'm good. But I'll give you another example. I knew that if I didn't get a tattoo, I'd regret it. So I got a tattoo. Like, I knew if I didn't do this podcast, I'd regret it. I knew if I didn't start my business, I'd regret it. I knew that if I didn't move to Arizona and leave uproot my entire life from the Midwest, that I'd regret that one day. I knew that if I didn't speak up to my mom and set boundaries, I'd regret that someday. I knew that if I didn't pick up the phone and call my dad every Sunday, I'd regret that one day when he's gone, right? And so I'm always measuring. And I share those things because someone may be going, oh, is it really scary to pick up your dad? Sometimes the things that are the most inconvenient for us to do are probably the things we need to do the most. I think we need to take a look at inconvenience because mm. sometimes picking up the phone is really inconvenient or yes. advocating for yourself or setting up a boundary or getting to the gym or doing what you need to do can feel really inconvenient, which is why it's uncomfortable 
which is why we don't do it. And so I'm always thinking like, okay, is it inconvenient to hit the gym at 6 a.m. before my workday starts? Yeah. Is it a little bit uncomfortable? Yeah. But will I regret not building this muscle while I can someday. Absolutely. You know, will I regret? Sure. God, I know my dad might talk for an hour. Okay. But will I regret not having that conversation with them one day? You pick up the phone on Sunday, right? And so I'm always thinking about if I'll regret it, I should probably give it a go. And how do I know if I don't try? But um, it's through this experimentation that really begins our practice with the art form of building the fear muscle, because that's really what it is. So good. I love this concept of the uncomfortable. I don't really think of it like that because what you're saying is, okay, so let's say every day there are these small minor inconvenience opportunities. There are these opportunities every day for small minor inconveniences that may not seem massive and detrimental in that moment, in that flash of life. But long-term, it's avoiding all those little teeny opportunities that build up to that big, terrifying deathbed where you hear those stories. Where I mean, you've read those stories where people are like on their deathbed. They're the billionaire that invented the internet. And they're like, I have so much regret because I didn't spend this time with the person or pick up the phone. It's never like this huge monster regret. It's always these everyday small inconveniences. And so I love the phrase that you used in your keynote when I saw you last week where you talked about experimenting with fear every day on purpose. I think that intentionality is so important. So where do we start with that? Because I know I've taken a lot from you. I mean, even we had a conversation about boundaries and about charging what we're worth and asking for what we're worth. And it's interesting because I had a call, you know, Ashley runs my company, Amanda runs yours. We had this whole talk about this the other day. And Ashley and I were having a conversation this morning around fees. And it was uncomfortable because everything in me was scared to hold the line with this client. And I remember thinking what you said where you were like, Aaron, like I rarely speak for less than my full fee. And it's incredible. I mean, it was so empowering for me because we can't be what we can't see. And I loved hearing your stories of like, it didn't feel right for me. It was scary, but I held the line and shocker, they honor it. They come back around. Mm. They make it happen. If it's supposed to be a fit, it comes to be. But I think for all of us, when we're making these choices, like you inspired me to do it. Well, then I'm talking to Ashley. Well, then she was like, well, gosh, maybe we could do it. And then, you know, Ashley maybe is talking to some gal who maybe they have their own negotiation for her promotion. So it's this beautiful, contagious team abundance mentality that she is watching every time you have the balls to do it. So how can we get better at it? Because I feel like you're so good at it. I know you practice it all the time, but for the gal that's listening, it's like, okay, this sounds great, but how do I start experimenting with fear? Like, I don't want to skydive, but what do I do? (laughs) I love it so much. Again, it's that mission every day to wake up and say, okay, how can I be a little bit braver today than I was yesterday? And I love that Mm -hmm. you got that line out of the talk because that's really the, the essence, this notion. And one of the big ideas I share on stage and write about in my book is this notion of conducting daily experiments or fear experiments, right? Where you are working with your fear every day on purpose getting uncomfortable every day on purpose in order to increase your tolerance for pain. And when I say Mm. pain, I mean, of course, discomfort, risk, failure, judgment, cancel culture, insert all the crap that we have to deal with today. And the cold hard truth is this, you can't cancel courage. And what that means is that the braver you get, the more authentic you become. And I mean authentic. And authenticity 
is the hardest thing you will ever do to really truly be yourself, to literally say no when you mean no, to leave a happy hour when you're done at the happy hour, to say, I don't have the answer when you don't have the answer, to advocate on your own behalf when you know other people may not agree with it, right? Like these are the Mm -hmm. hard things to really do in this world. So are we building the muscle? And so the way I recommend doing that is I ask myself three really important questions every day, but one of the most fundamental transformational questions, where can I get uncomfortable? Where am I playing it to say? Mm. What is one thing I can do today? So maybe it is if you have a team Zoom and you're never on camera, you go on camera. Better yet, maybe on that conference call, you speak up and ask the first question. Maybe you go into the office today and you say, I'm not just going to go into the office. I'm going to take the two admins to lunch and get to know them better. You know what? Everybody at this meeting is going to have on black suits. I'm going to wear a sequin blazer. You know what? I never wear red lipstick. Today, I'm going to rock some red lipstick. You know what? I have never listened to country music. I'm going to vibe country music all day long in my office. Like even better sales, marketing. Like I'm always asking myself, can I pick up the phone anywhere today? Can I make the sales call? Can I do something here to get a little uncomfortable? Because I know when I do that, I get more comfortable in those uncomfortable situations and boom, they were off to the races. Okay. It's so good. And it reminds me of our conversation that we had a couple nights ago around post-pandemic us. I said, Hey, is there anything post-pandemic that you feel really changed a part of you at your essence in a way that you're maybe less than psyched about? I don't want to focus on the negative. There's so many silver linings. Okay. Yes. Good pandemic outcome stories abound. And is there something from going through that experience that has changed a part of you in a way that maybe makes you feel a little like, is this okay that this is now how I am? And what was your answer? I think I skirted around the answer for a little bit, remember? So I'm kind of even confused at where I landed because it's such a good question. And I think it deserves a little bit of reckoning with, but I think I alluded to introversion. Like I'm a little more introverted than I ever used to be. And I don't know if I like that because I stopped picking up the phone. That's what we both said. We had the same answer. Yep. And guys, it hurt my business. Mm. Like bad. Same, same. really bad. Yeah. And I have to work so hard on that, like every day. So I now dedicate a whole afternoon to sales and marketing every Wednesday. So I do, my mornings are for making. I'm the most creative in the morning. So Mondays, I work on the podcast. Tuesdays, I'm working on my keynote business. Wednesdays, I'm working on my newsletters. Like these are my mornings, right? But Wednesday afternoons are my sales and marketing days. And I got away from that. I used to be so good at it, but I think I just got out of practice. And I think out of sight, out of mind. Mm -hmm. And I stopped working that muscle. And I hate that. And I'm working so hard to get it back. I've I've become a little too introverted on the negative post-COVID. I don't like it. I used to be a little bit braver about picking up the phone. So that is something I'm always looking at every day. Like, okay, what can you do to close some business, to make some impact, to put yourself in front of someone else? I think I was giving you initially kind of a BS, like Barbie doll answer. And then I was like, (laughs) you know what, Aaron? No, actually, you want me to tell you the truth? Because I was kind of embarrassed to tell you. You know, I had lost a bunch of business and we were really scared for a minute, you know, because we had worked so hard to break some big ceilings financially in the company and we had, and we were watching it go away really fastly because, you know, virtual events are incredible. They're just not the 
the same at scale. And long story short, I think I was embarrassed to maybe even admit it in front of you, but I was like, you know what, let me tell you the real truth. <laughs> but here's what happened. What was beautiful about that is that when you did voice it eventually after I strong armed you like four times, I think the wine might've helped too. I don't know how that all went it down. It was but... our second glass of salt though <laughs> by the prisoner. <laughs> anyway, but as soon as you said it, it was so empowering because my answer was very similar. And isn't yeah. it so beautiful that every time you have the courage to stand in your truth, you authorize someone else to do the same. Do the same. This is why you can't cancel it. This is why you can't cancel it. If you are leading and creating and living with love, I'm sorry, sit down. I stand in that every single day. And I think bravery is the hardest thing you'll ever do. Authenticity is the hardest thing you'll ever do. So you better be ready. You know, what are you doing to be ready for that? Things are going to be hard in life. You're going to lose people you love. You're going to get bad news. You're going to global pandemics will rock your world and try to steal your business. And you may get the call and you've received a diagnosis. So are you ready for that? Right? I'm not trying to be doom and gloom. No, it's true. This sort of gets us in the gym and we prime those muscles so that, you know, just like I lift weights for little 105 year old Judy so that she has a comfortable life. I'm doing the Mm -hmm. uncomfortable things now. So I earn this comfortable business and life that I want. Yeah. And I think it's so tempting for certain people to look at this life that you've built, this business you've built. And you always joke around on your social media. You're like, I know this is so bougie that I'm doing this or doing that. And there's sort of this like moment where you sort of acknowledge that this isn't everyone's reality. But what I love about the way you deliver it is it's very unapologetic and rightfully so. Because it didn't just happen. You had been building this business. I mean, from your story, we'll circle back to about taking improv classes when you thought you were too old to moving to a brand new town at age 46, which people are terrified to do across the country and reinvent your entire world to pivoting with multiple different branches of your business, different revenue streams. You've experimented with sobriety for almost a year. You're experimenting now with this health journey. You and I are running some experiments around how can we be better at getting collective feminine voices together and linking arms and amplifying the impact we can make when we go at it together and not just alone? So you're constantly doing this in real time. And I I love that about you. So here's my question. This is where I think a lot of our listeners, if they're anything like me, they have this question of, you know, in my book, Big Deal, I talk about becoming a bad listener. And I talk about this idea that there are certain voices in our lives that we just have to get braver to listen less. And it takes guts to go with your gut, intuitions individual, and that there are certain people that don't deserve a voice at your table. And I talk about what is the line between audacious and asshole, right? Because we have to have a certain, to use your phrase that you quote from hip hop, we have to check ourselves before we wreck ourselves. It's always the part that I get asked the most questions like, okay, so I want to be a bad listener, but who are my truth tellers? I want to be audacious, but who is on my personal board of directors? I want to be confident, but not delusionally so. It's always sort of this balance, like anything in life, right? So for you... When you're talking about so many of the great concepts in your book and in your trainings, how do you think is a way that we should go about determining what that level of bravery, grittiness, courage, resilience, confidence, whatever you want to call it, how do we determine what it looks like? Like, What questions do we ask ourselves? Because you and I had a conversation about today's landscape in 2022, where there is a lot happening. It's heavy times. It is complex times. It is high stakes times. Can we truly afford 
to be honest. Can we afford to be authentic in certain realms? I'm not talking about politics and religion. That's a whole other conversation. We're not going there. But in general, how do we know if we can afford to speak our truth? And what does that line look like? Yeah. I think everyone's going to have a different tolerance for pain there. I think because I've got experience with failure and looking stupid and getting it wrong. So I can, I mean, improv taught me everything about that. Mm -hmm. You know, when you have show after show, night after night of people not laughing, not clapping, not showing up, and you're running those reps and you're working those drills and you just keep showing up. There's this thing we do before every improv show where we always tap each other on the back and it's like, I got your back, got your back. We all go through around the whole ensemble, got your back, got your back, got your back. And before one of my favorite all-time shows that we ever did, and so our instructor at the time, Jay, comes around, but we all are, I got your back, I got your back, I got your back, I got your back. And then Jay goes, all right, guys, huddle up. I'm like, all right, Jay. You know, we're all like, oh, I want puke. I can't even believe I'm about to go out there. And we're like, actually, there are people here. There were like 75 people. And this was not midnight. This was like seven o'clock in Chicago in like a little theater. And there was 75 people there. And there were like people from like the Trib and like little magazines there. So I mean, we were like, oh my God. Okay. So he leans in and he goes, all right, you guys, I want you to go out there and I want you to fail so hard, so bad. I want you to bomb so big. And I'm like, you want, you want us to what? Okay, by the way, keep in mind, I'm working in corporate America by day. Very different stories are being told there. Uh, Judy, do whatever you want with the presentation, but you know what? Copy me first. Or Judy, be yourself mm. on that sales call, but make sure you wear the pantyhose and the black suit. You know mm. what, Judy, do whatever you want, but can we run it by the president first? But at yeah. night, but at night... Ooh, I'm being told something very different. So we go out and we have the thing show of our life and we are getting genuine laughs. We're on fire. We're in the zone. We're in flow. We have each other's back. We're making each other look good. And we actually get this really beautiful write up. What I think happened is kind of the answer to your question. We had increased our tolerance for pain. Okay, number one, which gave us the confidence to go out there and take the risks we wanted to on stage. And what Jay did backstage was give us permission to do it. Mm. Because here's what happened. Every single time we said something or did something that we thought was super basic, super normal, not really like I'm trying to be funny, it got the most rip-roaring reaction because we were us. We were being real. People, I think, look at the improv theater and they go, oh my God, they're not relatable. Like, how do they do that? There's no way. What they don't realize is we're using our training to be able to do this on stage. So when they see a mistake, when they see a, air quotes, failure, when they see us get it wrong, it makes them love us even more. And Rick Rumit, the founder, creator, Def Jam, one of the most legendary producers of all time, really changed the game in hip hop. He's got a new book out and in it, he says this, he goes, art is all about you. When you are trying to go be someone else or imitating all the other things out there, it's, it's one thing to feel inspired. We're always going to borrow things from the universe, but that's not real art. What makes the art you create, whether it's music or clothing, or you're selling stocks and bonds or whatever it may be that your business is, what makes your business different is you. You're what we're buying. Mm -hmm. And so my answer to your question is... You, like nine times out of 10, I know what's going to be right. I always know. I may not like the answer. I may be scared to death. I may have 10 people tell me it's dangerous to do. Again, the measure of regret. If I know I'll regret it, listen, 
you could do it their way or you could do it your way and people are still not going to like it. There are going to be people that don't like it. So I'd rather do it my way. Come on, Frank Sinatra, let's go. I'm going to do it my way. And I think that's really the essence of figuring out what to do because that's how we avoid regret. It might be a little pain and maybe what you decide to do could rub somebody, but even if you do what the other people say, it's going to rub somebody. So let's do you. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. I mean, I love it. It's, it's almost this like, so what factor? Well, so what? And you're talking to Orlando two weeks ago, you talked about, you're like, are you afraid someone's going to judge you? Guess what? No, they already I'm are. Sorry. Are you afraid they they're going to? They hate you. They already are. You afraid this? You afraid that? Every single, you know, fear, heads were just nodding. Every single person was like, oh my gosh, she is seeing into my soul. She knows what keeps me up at night. And you were like, spoiler alert, it's already happening. Happening. So who gives a shit? Shake it off. Show up. I want to go back actually to your corporate example, because I know that we both have not worked in corporate in quite some time, but we did. We have our war stories. We have corporate (laughs) clients all the time. We are reminded of corporate culture every time we're on a 19-person Microsoft Teams prep call that could have been an email. It's good to talk about this example because at Success Magazine, we have obviously tons of entrepreneurs and thought leaders and influencers. We also have a really hardcore group of the unapologetic Fortune 100, Fortune 500 classic executive set that think of themselves. They have an entrepreneurial mindset within a corporate umbrella. So yeah, when you cool. brought up the example, you know, you're at the office and they're saying, run with this, run with it and copy me first. It yeah. really reminded me a lot of sort of this trend that I think we do see in corporate America and entrepreneurial environments mm-hmm. where the message, the approved message from HR is be yourself. Even mm-hmm. growing up, go to school, be yourself. As long as Mm -hmm. you fit in, as Mm -hmm. long as you play by the rules, as long as everyone's okay with it, which is two completely diametrically opposing pieces of advice. I think what's really beautiful about your teachings, your philosophies around your books and your trainings, your workshops, your keynotes, is that we have to make peace with the fact that there are these two warring narratives being fed to us online, offline, all the time. And so it's not this binary good or evil, yes or no, be yourself or fit in, but it's really just how do we get better at existing in the reality of this beautiful, messy middle? Oh my God, the beautiful, messy ensemble that should make up leadership and work today. I mean, think about that. That's what makes improv theater so incredible. I mean, this is the essence of the new work we're building right now, the new talk I'm writing. This real lean into what it means to create environments of psychological safety. How can improvisers do what they do? How do we do that? Second City creates an environment that allows us to fail within these magical walls of love. They pump courage and the permission to fail into the ethos of that building. So we then arrive into the environment ready to take risks and play, right? How does a jazz musician get the ability to become a jazz artist, which is all improv. How does any musician do it? They are in in an environment that pumps that ability to improvise into the ethos of its organization, its walls, its rehearsal centers, whatever. You know, how does your favorite performer, how does T Swift do what she does in the recording studio? How does Ice Cube or Snoop Doggy Dog flow as fresh as they do? They are putting the right people around them and creating 
creating environments where they can take risks and mm. fail and get it wrong, and get it right and get it wrong. They can say and speak and be and write whatever it is they feel like they need to say without criticism, without judgment, right? And so I think as leaders, we have an opportunity. If you're leading a team, if you want to lead where we're going next, because, oh, we're going there. We have to think about creating environments of psychological safety. And just imagine how good it would feel to watch your team step into their full potential, right? Imagine creating an environment where people are literally excited about their work. Imagine actually getting the results you want. It's all possible. It's so good. Improv mindset allows us to do that, right? On ensembles are a part of that collaboration, Mm -hmm. right? And really helping other people shine. Like my number one job as an improviser is to make you look good. If I'm on Steve, see me do improv. I bring volunteers up. My only job is to make that person look like the star. Mm -hmm. And I think these old school hierarchies are like, my way or the highway, or you're the low man on the totem pole, or keep your head down and work hard, or, you know, all these like hierarchies in corporate that are just so antiquated org charts. Well, this is the way we've always done it. So, you know, you're 25 years old. What do you know? I'm like, hey, 25 year old, can you be on my board of directors? Mm Because I'd love to know what the kids are saying. I mean, I write about that in my book. We mentor up all the time, but you mentor down. And I mean that with love. Like I got 25 year olds on my squad Mm -hmm. who literally keep me hit. Like, mm-hmm. what's, what's going on? What are kids wearing? What's coming back? What are we saying? When I say this, what does it really mean? Like, what's the new slang? Or when my steps on, you know, like, what's appropriate to stay on stage? What's not? What's kind of triggering kids these days? What's not? And I think that's an important person to have on your board of directors, too. But old school corporate, we didn't do that. If mm-hmm. you were the 25-year-old, work your way up. Yeah, it's so well said. And I think at the core of that, right, is power. Power. At the core of that is power. And there is this old school psychology that if I share it, if I link it, it's not this abundance mentality. It's that if you have some, I have less. And it's this limited perception of what power exists within the organization and the hierarchy. And so I think what's interesting is you talk a lot about this idea of engineering these environments of safety. So growing up, what was safe was what was same. What was safe was what was seen. So we had these environments in school. We had these environments within our families where sameness was celebrated, where safety meant you are following the rules and getting awarded for doing so. And then at a certain point in all of our lives, I mean, I'm an old ass millennial, I'm 40. At a certain point in our lives, whenever adulting happened for you, I think mine's still TBD, but whenever it happens for you, there's a moment where you have to decide, like, am I going to invite or embrace or seek these environments of creativity in a proactive way because no one's coming to serve them to me. No one's going to volunteer them. And so when you think about how corporate is structured from a creativity and a collaboration standpoint... Creativity and collaboration is very proactive. It's playing a certain amount of intellectual offense, right? It's creating, it's developing, it's seeking, it's trying. It's by its very nature laced with risk and uncertainty. And my experience with corporate my entire life has always been that the name of the game is defense. The name of the game is minimize risk. The name of the game is just don't fuck up. And that's a win. And recently I I told you about a client that I'm working with that is very corporate. And at the core of every conversation, every decision, every vibe is defense. It's it's minimizing what could go wrong, not having this hunger of what could go right. 
Yes. And that's a shift right there. You just, that's it. You know, what could go right? We are so quick to assume and worry about all the things that could go wrong. And hey, listen, there's some power in thinking about, okay, cool. Here's some things that could go wrong. And how would I prepare? I mean, I think the big misnomer about us as improvisers is that because we're improvisers, we just freaking wing it. Like, oh, Judy, she's an improviser. She's just going to wing it, baby. Now here's the thing. (laughs) I can wing it. But I can only wing it because I've done the work. That's Improvisers good. are some of the most prepared people you will ever meet in your entire life. And it's our preparation that allows us to wing it, air quotes, when it's time to wing it. So yeah, I think there is a balance of like, okay, here's some stuff that could go wrong. Cool. Probably good to know about. Not be a bad idea to have my eyes on some of these things. Mm-hmm. But boy, there's a lot more power and a lot more seats on the bus of, okay, well, what could go right here? Yeah. And I know that for any big business challenge I'm taking on, whether it's this new website I'm building, the new talk, the new business I'm building, which is super exciting and really terrifying and still kind of type se- top secret. Sorry, guys. Anytime I take on something new and transform into this next version of, of myself, I'm always running everything through that what could go right algorithm. And I make it like right now, like on the screensaver on my phone is a what could go right list for the next business I'm building. So I'm always constantly going, okay, sure, there's stuff that could go wrong here. But oh, damn, what if Oprah calls me? You know what I'm saying? Like, I got crazy stuff on that list. And you should. (laughs) But it's like, okay, when I'm having a hard day, what if? (gasps) When I was writing my book, Fear is My Homeboy, the list of what could go right. I mean, 90% of those what could go rights came right, you know? Mm. So I think that's a really powerful way to empower ourselves and step into our own personal power. But sort of out of that mindset of like, oh, what was me? And, you know, there's not enough. Okay. Love so much about this. I love the Judy Hollerization of manifesting because that's a different take on manifesting. Oftentimes, I don't know about you, but I can feel a little bit intimidated around the rules of manifestation. They're like, okay, so you have to write it all down. You have to have the whole thing figured out. You have to experience it, live it, receive it, be it, all these things. And oftentimes I feel so paralyzed by the specificity, by the conviction, by the commitment. All of these things make me feel actually very limited when I'm manifesting. And what I love about what you just described, what could go right? What might go right? What could be possible? It's this beautiful exploratory language with space for iterations and with space for color and with space for beautiful coincidences that I don't believe in, for space for the universe to support you, for space for changing your mind. I think that that's a really interesting shift in how you're thinking about creating this beautiful dream life that we all seek and that we all know we're capable of doing is changing how we frame what's possible. And the fact that you said it, it's still as effective. 90% came true. That's a pretty darn good percent of manifestation without some of these more stringent rules and guidelines. So I love how you set that up. Thank you. Yeah, we put ourselves in a box, right? I mean, this podcast is all about success and really living a life on our own terms. And I think we can block those blessings because we, you know, listen, here's the thing. You are not going to close deals and bring yourself to a million dollar, $2 million, $10 million revenue goal, whatever your business is, by sitting around in a field with flowers on your head and a bunch of crystals and some tarot cards. I'm sorry. <laughs> not, namaste. Goodbye. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give my intentions. I'm going to get real clear on what I want. And then I'm going to go give it attention because people love to be like, oh, attract. Don't chase it. Just don't. Don't you just attract it to you? And I'm like, hold up. 
I want to attract front row seats to Snoop yeah. Doggy Dog this year, but hold on, I will never get it if I don't give it attention, right? So yeah. you have to decide what you want. Yes, I'd love to attract a million dollars into my bank account, but how are you going to get that? Yeah. Right? Like yeah. What can you create? What can you earn? What can yes. you do? What can you save? So again, guys, you know, as you think about 2023 and resetting those goals, sure, it is great to do the crystals. I have it all. I'm going to Sedona next month and I am here for it. I'm so yes. ready. But guys, I'm going to also set intentions and then I'm going to work real hard every quarter, mm. every month, every week and give those intentions attention. And those intentions could be your what could go right list. And then you're off to the races. Mm, it's so good, Judy. It's so, so good. I love your visual of this sort of like boho, hippie, Coachella, Insta, influencer. Oh my God. Like everybody said, what's the desert? The place everybody goes to the desert. Burning, burning man. man. Yeah, it's like you're burning incense at Burning Man. And like, but yeah. you can, like I'm not at Burning Man. Am I going to be like, no, like it doesn't matter. Like just give what you want attention. You will get it. If you want to go to Burning Man, guess what? Give that some attention and you'll get it. Yeah. And I I agree. I mean, it's like what you focus on expands. And I think the missing element for, I mean, we're making fun of this archetype. And if you are one of them, we don't mean to be ugly or be unkind because there is so much research around quantum physics, around the law of attraction. Like, amen. I I have seen it. I I preach it. And you've heard my keynote with what happened with the Oscars. I believe in it. I believe in it. Totally. And we also believe, speaking for us collectively here, you got to do the work. That the harder you work, the luckier you get. The harder you work, the more the universe shows up. The more that you have the attached emotions, because the vibe is the activator. It's not just the list. It's not just the number. It's not just the detail. It's not just the woo woo. It is the vibe of belief and positivity and courage and resilience. And honestly, at the end of it, it's just keep fucking going. Don't give up. Keep moving. And and when you listen to the stories from the most successful people in the world, from all the podcast guests that you've had, that I've had, that we've listened to, everyone's story, honestly, yes, okay, the nuances are different, but ultimately at the core of each message is they just kept working their asses off, believing in what was possible, and then beautiful moments manifested. The takeaway is the framing of what could go right with this. What could go right. Yeah, it's really beautiful. Uh, Okay, Judy, so I know you can't tell us about your top secret, super mean tease about your next business, but (laughs) give us a high level of what you're feeling super excited about right now in terms of, I mean, you really are someone that lives your life on your own terms, but tell us about building a business on your own terms, the next iteration for you. What's firing you up? Yeah. So for me, it is a combination of transformation and personal power. And I think having walked through the last three years, I'm coming out on the other side with a deep sense of personal power, Me, meaning that I'm ready to really step into what I think I was put on this earth to do. And it took me a minute to figure that out. But we are building a company and a foundation that essentially will be on a mission to help women shine. Because I believe at the core of my being that, you know, little girls can't be what they don't see. So we as women have to show them and, you know, let's go be the women that little girls want to become when they grow up. So it's it's going to involve a lot of shiny things, maybe some sequin, you know, a disco ball or two will be in there. But if you follow along on my social media, you can kind of learn a little bit more early days of what's coming up. But for me, it's transformation, it's personal power and really leaving a legacy of helping women shine, right? Mm. And making people feel safe enough to do that. 
Well, you certainly do that every single day. And I don't know about little girls, but I also hope that adult women are allowed to be included as well because you yes, inspire me. We're starting with the adult women. Yes. You inspire me every day to shine my inner little girl, all of our inner little girls. And then obviously the next generation that is looking to us. They're watching. It's a heavy responsibility. We're here for it. You are certainly paving the way. You are the real deal. For everyone listening, this is exactly what Judy Holler is like <laughs> on planes, backstage, at dinner. She is the same gal, same high vibe. And the two of us, let's just say, we feel sorry for any waiter, any restaurant oh, because the I whole slept thing... for three days straight after I spent four <laughs> days with Aaron King. I was like, y'all thought I had some energy. Let's watch out. I need a nap. <laughs> it was good because you're the same. I feel the same uh, about you. So refreshing. My favorite pen pal. <laughs> oh, back at you. Well, thank you so much, Judy, for finally gracing us with this amazing oh, episode. It was worth the wait. Honor. I'll tell you that. It was oh. worth the wait. It was oh. unbelievable. Guys, check out Judy, judyholler.com, at judyholler on Instagram. Get on her email list, by the way. She has a killer so email. What's, what's it called again? It's the vibe no. check on Friday. Yeah, the vibe check. The keynote on Mondays is like a newsletter mullet, baby. It's a oh, it's newsletter so mullet. good. You know, I love me a mullet. Oh, Business it's so good. in the front, a party in the back. <laughs> I love you. Thank you so much. Success Magazine podcast. Yes, there you have it. Oh, yeah. It's just mullets equals success. And that's all we had to say. No, I adore you. Thank you so much, Judy. Guys, check her out. Follow her. Engage with her. You are definitely the epitome of living life on your own terms. So thank you for helping us today to do the same. Thank you. Well, friends, I know you want more of Judy Holler. And the good news is you can find her on Instagram at Judy Holler or find her on judyholler.com. Pick up a copy of her book, Fear is My Homeboy. And remember, it is all about experimenting with our fear every day on purpose to live the biggest, boldest, bravest lives that we deserve to live. Well, friends, today has been a great example of how we can make choices to live life a little more on our terms. It has helped me to do it, and I sure hope it has helped you to do the same. Until next time.